0: What's up, guys? This is Bradley. I wanted to tell you about a company that I really, really like, ePay Policy. They completely saved my tail on a case last week. As many of you know, I started my independent insurance agency with a lot of questions, concerns. I didn't know what I didn't know. And that proved true when I wrote my first build homeowners policy. I write this policy and the client tells me, all right, let me pay you with a credit card. I'm like, uh, how do I take a credit card payment? And guess what, guys? Square And PayPal, it's against their terms of service for you to use it for an insurance premium. God forbid somebody pay you and then you end up not getting that payment. So in came ePay policy. They completely saved the day for me, got me signed up within 24 hours. They provide the simplest solution for your agency to collect credit card and ACH payments while finally putting a stop to chasing those paper checks around. I don't want to be in the collection business. I want to be in the insurance business. With ePay Policy, you pass the processing fees onto the client, keeping your bottom line intact while providing an added convenience to your clients of accepting digital payments. The page that you send the client for them to make the payment is branded and tailored to your agency. Mine has my logo. And when it comes to Reconcile, their accounting dashboard keeps the process clean and simple, and they integrate with all the major management systems, including mine, at no extra cost, Look, they know how busy you and your clients are. They provide the simplest solution for your agency to collect credit card and ACH payments while finally putting a stop to chasing paper checks. There's no contract, no setup fee, and no hidden costs. It takes less than 5 minutes to sign up and they'll have you up and collecting digital payments within 24 hours like they did for me. Give Epay Policy a call or hit them up online at epaypolicy.com and let them know that the insurance guy sent you.
1: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner, and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six-foot-three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first-team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley?
0: I'm good, Scott. How are you?
1: Best I've ever been, guys. I am so happy to be here this morning. I feel good. I look good. I am. Uh, I tell you what. I need to just hang up on this podcast right now and just start making sales calls. That's how good I feel right now. I think <laughs> I could absolutely dominate some sales calls right now if I if I called. 30 people and then from now until 12 noon i think i think i could uh i think i could bring some premium in the door right now bradley i'm just telling you probably so you know we did a uh we're actually bringing
0: on an additional virtual assistant at our agency mm-hmm. and uh we do those interviews with cover desk so they'll line up like four or five on a zoom and, and it's me and andy and their admin on there Right. And usually I lead the interview and we get on there somewhere. I was like, dude, we podcasted for like six hours yesterday. I'm going to need you to lead these. (laughs) I just sat there the whole time and nodded my head.
1: So right, right, right.
0: He's a better interviewer than me anyway. I,
1: I am obsessed right now with thinking about what makes the perfect insurance agent. What traits does an individual person have to have to become the LeBron James of selling insurance? I mean, there's so many things that would go into that. But I'm I'm working on that in my head right now. Good taste
0: in bourbon would be number one, I think.
1: Confidence, tonality, being able to sell to all four personality groups.
0: Man, there's just so many things that go into that, dude. I'm going to tell you one that's big for me is... verbiage. Ability to think quick on their feet. That rolls into critical thinking skills. Critical thinking and problem solving is big. If I look at the few people or the people that we've had that haven't necessarily worked out at Portal, I think probably one of the commonalities would be lack of problem solving skills.
1: Mm. I'm going to tell everybody right now and then I'm going to introduce our beautiful guest today because I'm so excited to have him on the show. I came up with a life hack about two years ago that I swear to you, I think that every insurance agent in America should start utilizing in their agency. Let me tell you what it is, Bradley. This is genius. Two years ago, I had a Christmas party at one. We didn't have it at my house. I don't remember why we didn't have it at my house, but we had it at one of my agent's houses. Okay. Are you you with me so far? I'm with you. We got through eating and we decided to play games. (laughs) Okay. And they had this thing on their television that, you know, they had like Netflix and, you know, Hulu and all this other stuff. But they also had on their TV this thing, and I don't know what it was, but it was different game, adult games you could play. Right. And we started playing this game, uh, and I don't remember the ins and outs of it, but basically you had to think quickly on your feet. Mm -hmm. And I remember about halfway through that game, I had all of our staff there. And you could literally tell through playing that game, you know, who could quickly think on their feet mm-hmm. and who would like, every time it came to them, they'd be like, uh. And <laughs> I thought, you know what? There's something to this. Yeah. In terms of creating the perfect insurance agent.
0: I'll tell you a good game to play would be Gin, if you've ever played Gin, because your average Gin players will take the cards for what they're worth. They see them at face value, but your good gen players remember every single card that's been played. Right. And they think, you know, an average gen player is going to say, oh, Scott just picked up an eight. He must need eights. When in fact the eight was the eight of diamonds. And we remember that he threw down an eight of spades earlier. You know what I mean? That's, and that's where you can really get into. I think the big problem, if they've remembered everything, they had, okay, this, 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 and put the puzzle together.
1: There's a couple of adult games out there that have a timer, and it's not Pictionary. And I can't remember the name of the game. Maybe it's a uh, catchphrase, maybe the one I'm thinking about, where yeah. you've got a timer. Maybe there's part of the uh, phrase is there, but you got to finish it and you got to do it mm-hmm. before the timer goes off. I'm telling you, there's something to that. Yeah. There's something to people in the insurance agency relative to success and being able to think quickly on their feet. I don't know. There's something there. I
0: won a gin tournament one time, and I and I beat a guy in the finals that was known as a really, 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 really good gin player. And I was not a better gin player than him. I just remembered every damn card he threw down. Right. Or picked up. So, All
1: right, guys, listen. Mission of this podcast, help you insurance agents in any way we can. We've got a guy on here today that's going to do that. I am so excited to have him on here. Bradley will attest to this. I don't know that I ever get more excited than I do on the days when we have principal agents, guys just like us who've been in the business a long time, have been doing it a long time. Doesn't matter if you're captive, doesn't matter if you're independent. I know there's some differences there, but there's a commonality of people who are agents who've been in it a long time. They just get it. And, and, And they're the kind of people that can really help a lot of you agents out there. Even if you've been doing this, for a while, there's always something that I pick up from every guest that we have on this podcast, and that is what we're here for. So without further ado, he is originally from Glastonbury, Connecticut, and he lives in Concord, North Carolina. He is married to the beautiful Christy, and they have four beautiful girls, Alana, Avery, Ainsley, and Adeline. He is the agency owner of Mahoney Manhart Agency, And it is my profound honor today to introduce for the first time on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Ryan Mahoney. How are you, Ryan? Good, fellas. How you doing? Man, we are doing fantastic. I am so excited to have you here today. Got so many things I want to talk to you about. We were, you know, talking off air about a lot of different things, but I guess before we do that, uh, as I like to do to all of my, my principal agents that come on the show Climb in my DeLorean with me for just a moment and give us about a three-minute breakdown of how you got into the insurance business.
2: Yeah, man. So I started working for State Farm as, an, as a team member back in 2005 in Palm Beach Gardens. I was introduced to State Farm because my uncle is actually a State Farm agent in California. So I spent eight and a half years down there as a team member kind of give you some context. We went, I joined him when it was basically me and him. We grew that together to about 14, 15 people became, you know, a mediocre agency in Palm Beach County and grew that to one of the best in the company. From there, I went to Charlotte. That's how I ended up in the Carolinas because they weren't putting agents on at the time. So opened up a state farm agency for two and a half years in Charlotte and uh, then back in 2017, that's when I kind of went the independent route. And we actually opened up the Carolinas for Goosehead. I think we were about the fourth state to launch for them. So that's my insurance career. And you read uh, the the list of my four daughters there, man. So I don't have any choice,
1: guys. I have to write a lot of insurance, you know. <laughs> I had a boss one time. A long time ago, I was working for a publishing company in sales. And I remember, uh, I was talking to him about getting married. I was thinking about proposing to my, my girlfriend and he said, uh, hell get married. I I encourage you to get married. In fact, get married and go go out and buy all the, the new cars and boats and everything you want, because the more that you do, the more I got you locked in here. (laughs) That's right. I I
0: had a buddy, uh bought a bought a big nice house or was and did end up buying it but was at the time thinking about buying a big nice house a couple months ago and he was like yeah man well such and such was you know said that I should do it said that it's a good deal and such and such was the boss and I said dude this is a a very like high octane sales organization like he wants you in debt up to your eyeballs dude that way yeah. you got to you got to sell you know yeah. i got to
1: make this $2500 a month mortgage payment you know yeah so guys today we're going to talk a little bit about Ryan's transition into independent we're going to talk about you know what he does relative to referrals and getting uh, leads in the door and one of the things we talked about offline Ryan and and I guess we can go back to some of the things that we talked about relative to you know your relationship with Michael McCormick and Taylor Dobby and those guys over at Bradley is it CAC is that right I think it's CAC correct Kind of go back with us and talk about that transition a little bit and how you got involved with those guys.
2: Yeah, so when I was a state farm agent up here, um, I, I literally woke up one day, thought to myself, like, the, the classic, like, internet lead game is over. You know, that ship has sailed. What year was this? Um, that was probably in 16, somewhere in there
0: yeah i remember i was I was with them in twelve, and it was like internet leads were the B's and e's that was that was the driving force
2: they were solid man like that's where we we built a really good book of business in Florida off of them. We wrote a ton of auto insurance i mean we literally went from like twenty five hundred cars to close to nine thousand in about five years so and we did a, all that on internet leads in Florida, so it was like it was awesome man that th- there was a good time for internet leads but I just woke up and was like there's got to be a better way now because as we all know if you've been doing that a long time it gets saturated the quality goes down so it's not
0: a sustainable model I don't I don't No think. no I think I think the internet leads especially in 2020 are designed to when things are slow and you don't have much coming in let's fill a gap to at least give some people to call I think that's what it's designed for.
1: Hey, guys, I got a question. Ryan, I don't mean to interrupt your story because I want to put a pin in it and come right back to where you left off. This is a question for both of you, and I think insurance agents out there that are listening to this are going to be wildly interested in hearing your answers. Why can't anybody seem to figure out the internet lead game? Why why is it so hard? I think because the ball keeps changing. And what I
0: mean by that is, you have good leads for two or three months and you'll have bad leads for two or three months. You have good leads, you have bad leads. And in my opinion, I think it's because you're not getting you as the retail insurance agency. If you're buying leads from, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but all the lead companies we know about, you're not getting the good stuff. You're getting the stuff that the people who have exclusive deals with them, uh, have not picked off yet. And it's
2: watered down. And, and I think like, maybe to even be clear on like where the transition went is like, there's like, I think the internet leads that I'm alluding to and Bradley is, is like the, the ones from the companies, right. Then that's what made me trans like start seeking out different ways. It's actually how I fell into soup. And I had met McCormick a year um, or within the year of that prior to uh, knowing that he was kind of him and Taylor were behind soup, but, That's when I started toying around with Facebook leads and all that stuff. It's, it's kind of very similar to the real estate world, right? Where you have people who are paying Zillow all this money, but then they don't realize, Oh, Hey, I can generate my own where it's specific to me and it's only coming to me, you know? So I think there is a difference between like the, the internet leads that come from these companies versus like, what you're doing on your own, so I kind of pursued that, and that's where I I fell into soup, and like my relationship with those guys has been uh, has grown a little bit deeper over the last probably three and a half four years.
0: Well, and I think too, one of the things that that a lot of agents miss, and certainly I've been guilty of this as well, is to me in our organization, us not getting a deal and exiting that client is almost just as good of a thing as. Writing that client because every X date we add to our pipeline for six months or a year from now makes prospecting and marketing easier six months to a year from now. That's right. And I think so many agents, and I've been guilty of this myself early in my career, you're so focused on new business, new business, new business, new business, new leads, new leads, new leads, new leads that you forget to properly X date and properly set that follow up.
2: And I think that's why why we absolutely crushed the leads in Florida is because we had a process in place. I mean, state farm even came to us and they're like, can you put a, like a playbook together on what you're doing for these leads, you know? And cause we went from our numbers just skyrocketed and it's, it is, it's a process, man. Like I, I remember calling people, it's a grind. It's definitely a grind, but I remember calling people on like a year and a half later and I talked to them, every 6 months and they're like dude if you can just get it close we're going to go with you because you've literally called us every 6 months for the last 18 months or 24 months mm-hmm. you know so there's that's the hard part of internet leads i think is is it's much like what happens the the persona with facebook right now like oh i threw some money at it it doesn't work well there's a lot of that follow up like bradley saying that behind the scenes takes a little bit of effort. It takes more time. It's not the the instant gratification that we're kind of looking for. And I think that's what probably has people jumping around looking for that silver bullet all the time.
1: Hey, Ryan, give our agents something that they can write down and take back to their office today relative to that process that you just mentioned that actually State Farm came to you guys and they were like, hey, we need to carbon copy this from you. Can you explain in a little bit of detail kind of what that process is so that these agents can write that shit down and hopefully implement that in their agency?
2: Yeah, I think Scott, it's, it, it It seems simple, but it's whatever that CRM is. I basically made notes on every client and what the conversation was. And then to Bradley's point, I just, I ex it, man. And just set an expectation to say, hey, I'm going to follow up and we'll see what, what rates are doing in another six months. And then the easy thing for me was that I could reach back out and say, oh, hey, how's Susie doing? Or, you know, you had a kid or you had this like they got to be six months old now. And it's like, but that was all in the notes. Like, you,
1: I think that's it, man. And the data it's, it's something. It's something in the notes that when you call that person again in six months, gives you some altitude in terms of building a relationship because you're mentioning something that's very personal to them. Right. It's- yeah.
0: I'll tell you one thing we do too, when we call X dates or we follow up with people every single, and, and obviously I mean, we're not perfect, but at least we try to every single time when that person picks up the phone, I'm like, Hey, Miss Jones, it's Bradley with portal insurance. I was just calling you back, uh, you know, six months later, like, like you told me to. Right. Did you hear what I said? like you told me to, like, even if me. they didn't tell us to, like you told me and they think, Oh, did I? Okay. And and they're a little bit more relaxed. Like, okay, I was expecting this call. Right. You know? right. And, but I'll tell, I'll tell you, man, the data having notes, having, I want to know things down to what football team does this person root for? Cause right. I'm going to bring it up. We had a, a deal this week, two days ago where one of my uh, producers came to me and said, Hey, remember that Presbyterian church from last year that we quoted? Uh just popped up on my ex date and I'm like, I, I don't have any clue what me going. And it was one that I had, we have, we do a lot of deals in my office where I make the call, but they actually do it. So I open it, I close it, but they do all the work in between. So I was like, I have no idea. I would have been like a deer in a headlights going into that call, pulled up the notes. Oh, I remember this Presbyterian church that was referred to us by an old buddy of mine that I worked with at Alpha, uh, Presbyterian church. They brought us the renewal, but we were too close to renewal. We were like eight days from to renewal. We didn't have enough time to quote it. But in that process, we discovered that they had actually misclassed one of the buildings as a masonry non-combustible. It was actually frame. So I was able to take that and you, and immediately they're like, oh yeah, we need to get that fixed. They didn't have enough time to get it fixed. Yeah, we actually renewed it with that building class wrong. So we're able to take that data and then use it versus just straight up. Hey, yeah, we quoted your insurance last year. Not saying that doesn't work, but having that data, it gives you, like Scott said, it gives you that altitude.
1: Hey, hey, I got a question for both of you relative to that. So, Ryan Bradley, you find a prospect. And, guys, I want you to remember this. This is a Scott Howellism here, okay? So, what I tell my agents is this. anytime that we get a prospect, I don't give a shit how it comes in, internet, referral, whatever lead, lead company, which we don't use, but if it was a lead company, anytime we can take that prospect's information and stick it in our CM CRM system, doesn't matter whether we got the business or not. What we're doing in effect is we're taking a fish out of the Atlantic ocean because that's where they are, the Atlantic ocean. And we're sticking them in our little pond, our little one acre pond at our house. That's really what you're doing mm-hmm, right? because, you know, every prospect that you stick in that CRM system, if you do it correctly, and, you, and and now that we have a management system that we can do a lot of different things with in terms of prospecting, that's exactly what you've just done. You just caught, you caught a fish in the Atlantic Ocean on a deep sea fishing trip, and you took them home and you put them in your little pond, and so your chances of getting them now, especially with all the things we're talking about relative to follow-up and notes and have making those notes personal. So when you call them back, you're clicking that brain of theirs to go, Oh, well, I guess I should know who Ryan Mahoney is because he's asking me about how my daughter's doing in, in uh girl's volleyball. Right. And so, Uh, that's just something I've always told our agency force here is, is, is that's, that's how you got to do that. And that's how you got to think about that. But my question to the two of you, and I know I went around my elbow to get to my ass on this. Are you guys automating any of the follow-up stuff after prospect's been entered? Maybe you don't get the, the, maybe you don't get the business for one reason or another. Is any of that automated? I, on my side, it's just an automated
2: follow-up and it goes into the system, you know, to very simple because I I typically want to reach out and have a conversation each time too. So it's pretty simple there just to check in with folks, you know. It's funny, man, as you were talking about that, Scott, I would say, I always tell people, I'm like, if you want to grab my attention, you can talk about fish, the band, and then my girls. So if you called me and you are like, hey, Ryan, have you seen any shows lately? And then went into what's your auto insurance look like? What's your home? I'm gonna listen, man. Right. But yeah, some some of it's automated. A lot of what I is somewhat man, you know, it's just the follow-up is is put out
0: down the road. Bradley, what about you? I'm a little bit more high maintenance than Ryan. The the weight of my heart, if you're if you're an insurance vendor listening to this and you're trying to get me to do a demo, the weight of my heart is a free t shirt. You send <laughs> me a t shirt in the mail, but think about it though. Like that sounds bougie and it may be a little bit, but like you guys, all you vendors that call these agents all day long every day trying to get demos, look at your customer acquisition costs. What are you really paying for that t-shirt, six to eight bucks? You know, you send somebody a t-shirt in the mail, unless they're just a straight up a-hole, they're going to do a demo. Anyway, so aside from that, in our automation is something where it's, a, it's a, a living, breathing thing. We're constantly changing it. We're constantly making tweaks. We're constantly improving it. We're constantly screwing up. Um, we do have the X dates automated. So when you, when they go into, go into an X date file, they get a text thirty to sixty days out, um, and that's going to be it's going to be like that forever. I mean, I've got a huge text list that we'll send a text blast out to every now and then on X dates, a couple times a month.
1: These are prospects. These are people right? we've
0: quoted that we have not gotten, and right. every time we do that, we'll get 30, 40 quotes, something like that. It's like two times a month the X date text go out, goes out, but. I'm actually, for two of my newer guys, I'm actually in the process of working with them on building a, a text follow-up system. So when they move somebody from um, contacted to quoted in our CRM, it actually is going to set a prompt to send that person a series of text messages every two days for like a week.
1: Oh, that pissed me off.
0: And uh, just just to because they're getting to the point now, and it's not a it's not in a, sp- a salesy spammy way. It's just like, hey, Miss Jones, it's Kenneth with Portal, just following up on that quote.
1: Oh, 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 oh! I'm sorry, I got you. I, I thought you meant after quotes been delivered, and they said no. I apologize. No, 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 no. It's this just is a follow up to hey, we 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 need to get some closure to this.
0: Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because now they're getting to the point where both of them their pipeline. You don't want your pipeline to get so big that you can't adequately follow up, right? Right. Everybody wants to get prospects. They want a full pipeline. And yes, as I've always said, a full pipeline uh, solves a lot of your problems. But what you don't want is you don't want to be the type of agent that you do a quote, you deliver a quote, and then you never follow up again because you're too busy to follow up. That is not good. And that happens to a lot of folks. We're getting to that point with them where their pipelines filled up. So what we're doing is, when it's moved to quoted and it's not sold, it's either quoted and it's still open. We don't have a we don't have an answer. A text is going to go out two days later, and then I think I think it's it's six days, so it's every, it's every two days for six days. So it's three texts just to follow up, and then it moves into the X date. And I'm currently working with them to build that out because I want their involvement because I want them to know when the text is going to go out because if we send let's say we move somebody to quote it and they get the text in day two and they end up buying, they have to remember to take them out of that campaign. Right. So that's, and there's probably a way to automate that, but, um, but that's kind of what we're working on now. Um, that's what I did it when I was at my prior company. I had, I basically did that with another system. Right. And I, I just had to be very aware of remembering who's in what, because you don't want to write somebody insurance and they get text a text two days later. It's like, Hey, we're following up on that insurance. You know? <laughs> so we're, we're working on
1: that. But yeah, Bradley, I, I got another question for you. Yeah. You were talking earlier about X dates and texting and things like that. Did I hear you say that? Let's say you don't get the deal this time. They, they just decide for whatever reason, not to go with your agency. But you've got their X date in the system. Did you say that you send out a text message around 45 days before their X date of their, you know expiration of their insurance? I'm not sure the exact
0: date, but it's 30 to 60 days. Um, if it's a, if it's an annual X date, I think it's 60 days. If it's an auto every six months, I think it's 30.
1: Can you share with our agency force that's listening kind of general, generally speaking, what that text says six months or, you know, six months later or a year later, or whatever. I'm not perfect at that, but it's,
0: it's something to the effect of, Hey, Ms. Jones, this is Bradley with portal insurance. We quoted your insurance about six months ago. We'd love to take another shot at it. Rates have always changed, blah, 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 blah. Got gotcha. you. And sometimes we'll send text blasts out that are manually sent. Not each individual, but we'll manually send out a text blast to 2,000 people. And it's very, McCormick actually helped me write it, but it's very uh, almost mysterious. It's like, it's like, hey, Miss Jones, this is Bradley with Portal Insurance. Give me a call when you get a chance. There's, I, I can't, I'll pull it up in a second and read it to you. But it's very like it gets calls back because they're like,
1: what the hell he's talking about? So are you doing that in lieu of what Ryan's talking about, where you pick up the phone and you say, hey, Miss Jones? We do that too. Yeah. Okay. We, we, I'm, I'm, very much a, I'm very
0: much a pro. It seems like I say this 10 times a day, pick up the phone and call them. Yeah. I'm very yeah. much. The automation, here's the thing. The automation does not take the place of the good old-fashioned phone call. The right. automation is there to enhance the phone call and to catch a deal when you forget to make the phone call. That's what the automation is for. It
2: keeps you in front of them too, right? Just
0: like technology doesn't replace real life. Technology is there to enhance real life. Yeah.
1: But I, I, I want to get y'all's opinion on this. Okay. Let's think about something for a second. If you're an agent out there and you're on a tight budget and you don't have the manpower the people to call every one of these prospects that you've quoted, you know, something is better than nothing. Absolutely. And, and, and if you can automate a text to them. Absolutely. Because you don't have time to call, you know, a hundred prospects in the next week or whatever, whatever the right. case is. I would say that if you don't have the manpower to call every one of those X dates and talk about insurance and their kid playing high school football, Texting is better than just letting it go, right? I mean, well,
2: that's it, and and the thing too, Scott, is when like when you're proactive on it, like I agree with Bradley. You know, it doesn't. The phone call is always going to be there with me because that's you know typically if I can get people on the phone, I can close them. Right. Um, but it's also one of those spots where you know I'd encourage everybody. You have to have some sort of management system that you can that you can send out these texts or emails or something because it's not like an either or type thing. Like you, yeah. you're not either. It's, it's not like, Hey, make these phone calls, but not do this. Or while well, I'm sending out emails or texts and this and that, but if you can couple everything together and make some phone calls and then you're getting some phone calls from the automation, you know, you're kind of, you're doing everything at that point. And I, I always tell people too, I'm like activity
0: is going to bring things in the door activity, baby. That's right. That's right. Here's what the text says. So this was a text we sent out to all of our home clients that don't have auto. And it said, it's, it's Hey, first name, it's Bradley with portal insurance. When you have a break in your day, give us a call, please. We need to review something with you. If I'd have just said, Hey, we notice we don't have your car insurance. Please give us a call. We'd like to quote that. You're going to get some calls back, but you're not going to get as many. Right. Right.
1: And I guess you you have to stagger those text messages. Mm-hmm. For instance, yeah. if you yeah. if you get an agency like mine, I might have three hundred and eighty-five people that don't that have home but not auto. Hell, yeah. you send all those out at one time.
0: So the the system that we use, you can throttle it. So that particular campaign, we send out a hundred texts every 30 minutes, knowing we're gonna get, you know, best case scenario, a or well, really worst case scenario, we're going to get a 10 to 20% return on callbacks. Right. So we can field that many calls an hour. And so that's, we throttle that throughout the day. That's what we do for all, anytime we're sending a text blast out, we throttle them per whatever, because I don't want 3000 people calling my office at one time.
1: Got you, Ryan, I got a question for you of all the ways out there that there are to get leads in the door. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm asking this for selfish reasons because we've moved into phase two of our three-phase process this year. You know, we're going independent July 1. Every nationwide agent in the country is going independent. So phase one was from January till now, which was changing management systems, doing the downloads, getting all of our technology on board, and – getting all of the carriers that we wanted and needed, which we've, we've done all that now we're, we're past that phase two is how are we going to get the phone ringing more? And we, we've got some, I guess, ACEs in our back pocket on some of that. And I can't divulge that over the, the podcast right now, but what are the, what are the best ways if agents out there listening are having problems with that what we talked about earlier, that activity, keeping butts in the seats. Uh, What are the things that you do that are the best, you know, actions or or outputs that you do to generate leads?
0: And to add to that, you know, where, how did you make the shift when you went from state farm, you know, lead gen to more relational, you know, what methods did you take in doing that?
2: Yeah. So our basically go to market strategy is straight into the, the loan officers and the realtors. And then if you even go to like title companies or something like that too, but we found 90% of our success in going to loan officers first. And, and I always say like if you, if you want to filter it down, loan officers have to check off insurance on their, list, on their to-do list. So they're more aware of it than a realtor, right? And that's not to say that we don't pursue realtors. But if you get down to the nitty gritty, like loan officers make it like they have to have that to close. We do that, man. But it's it's funny the the consistency of visits or reaching out or text messages, building a relationship with loan officers, you know, is very similar to following up with your even your clients. We've just done a really good job of being now 3 years in and I still have people out there that are like damn you guys are like still present you're still showing up you're still you know knocking it out of the park for us and th- as time goes on it just the relationship gets deeper but dude our our process is very simple man we we actually can search loan officers what they're doing for volume and then we schedule visits and as a rule of thumb, we'll take, like, we just, we just brought a guy on, um, who finished training last week. So for him, for example, I'm like, we need 50 names of loan officers or realtors divide that up into 20, you know, 25 names. And you basically visit or call or text and build, you know, five of those a day. And it seems like five a day is very minimal. So you could Obviously, do more, but man, if you visit like those twenty-five one week, the next twenty-five, and you alternate, and you do that for say three months straight, we just get—you're gonna get business that way, you know. And I always think too, guys, like how I've connected with you guys and Bradley. It is is that we've connected with people that are like us they're cool. They like doing business with us. Like we like hanging out, you know, and I I think that's what we get down the road.
0: Yeah. One thing I tell people too, because part of our onboarding at portal, when we bring a new employee on, especially if they don't have insurance experiences, we teach them how to build their own loan officer relationships. Because as much as Scott and I have in common, we've got very different personalities and people that he's going to mesh with, I may not mesh with. It's the same with our, with our team members. And yeah. one, of the, one of the starting points that I tell people is find a lender that is most similar to you in personality, in age, in gender, in economic background, because you're going to have the most in common with that person. And it's going to make the conversation easier when you start off. It's not going to be, you're not going to have that awkward silence, Right. And it's like, I talked to a client yesterday that I've never spoken to that had a complaint and immediately when we get on the phone, we hit it off and it's good. You know what I mean? So like there's certain people, you know, you click with. So find people that are similar to you and that's who you reach out to first. And I'm not saying it nor the other ones. It's quite the opposite of that. But what that helps you do is you structure your conversation and you know what questions to ask. And then when you go into talking to the person who's 30 years older than you and is the opposite gender and maybe has a different view of the world, you can still have a good conversation because you know all the points to hit, you know, and, and to add to Ryan's point about the, uh, the consistency is, you know, just staying in front of them is so, so, so valuable. I'll give you an example. I firmly believe there's two type of realtors or excuse me, uh, lenders in terms of how they handle their insurance. You have the kind that are very by the book and they have a process like, here's my process. We take the application. We send three referrals out. It's these people every time. And then you have the kind that are like, we just wing it every single time. And Mr. Client, you go find your own insurance. Right. Those are the ones you have to follow up with. I have one now, very, very, very good lender, high volume that uh, will send to me. And then we won't hear from them for eight months. And recently um, I had a new guy in my office And I was teaching him like how I reach out to people. I have a very unique way in how I reach out to people online that are, that are potential referral partners. And uh, I was teaching him how to do it. I was like, like this lender here, she hadn't referred to me in nine months. And, and really I thought that like maybe one of her clients had a bad experience or I was like, what, something happened. She's referring to somebody else. Don't assume just because you're not getting the referral that they're, they're referring to somebody else. I send her a message on Facebook and she's like, Oh yeah, here's one quote, this one. And, and she's the type that it's, she's not trying to find insurance for somebody every time she needs an insurance agent saying, refer to me, refer to me, refer to me, refer to me for her to even think about it.
2: There's a lot of folks like that, man. And then, then what's kind of cool is that we've also found that, you know, a lot of people ask, like, what do you get your lenders? You give them gift cards, you give them this, you give them that. And we're not like the biggest fans of doing some of that stuff we actually cater more things towards their personality. But what's cool is that when the lender is kind of like, Oh, we just let them decide and you can break in and get a few deals done. And then we always tell the client too, we're like, Hey, they don't have to send us anything. Like if you've had a good experience with us, can you please tell the loan officer? So then what ends up happening is that loan officer goes, Oh, What I thought was just kind of, well, they just go out and get insurance anywhere. And I got to hunt it down from X, Y, and Z company. Now these guys are adding adding value to my process, to my clients. It's not a headache. The client's happy. And then they kind of go, well, maybe this is more important than we thought. Or it's just, this is a smoother process because this is what these guys do and what they focus on and they become a little bit more comfortable with it, and then you become their person.
0: You yeah. know, I'll tell you an idea that we've been doing for a little while. If you are a uh, competitor of portal insurance, this does not work, please don't do it, uh, <laughs> is in our CRM when John Smith Lender's client closes, the CRM knows that John Smith was... The, the referral partner or the, the referring source. It sends an email to the client that says, hey, this is Bradley with Portal Insurance. We really appreciate your business. Look, we would not be able to take care of you had it not been for John Smith Realtor. Will you please give them a five-star Google review? And the way we tell the referral partner about that is we, we call our email or text or referral partner and say, hey, this is what we're about to do. What platform would you like the review on? And they're like, oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So that's something that we've been doing. It's just kind of a little added thing just to kind of say, give them a little bump and say, hey, thank you. Appreciate that.
2: Here's, and I'll tell you what, a a different kind of um, thing that we do too on reviews is stuff, and, and this is automated based on our system, but if I write someone and then they share their experience with me, I get an email on that. It'll say who the referred lender was So in turn, like we're not sending them the ones that are like great experience, you know, but if someone has like takes the time to really write a decent review of their experience with us, then we'll shoot that over to the lender too and be like, thanks for sending these guys over. Like here's what they had to to say, you know, and it just kind of shares the experience with the lender too, you know, so it, it just helps build that relationship knowing that hey, when I send people over to this guy for insurance, because we all know, Scott, it's not the most exciting thing in the world to talk about, but that they're having a good experience with it. And that's, that's solidified a lot of relationships for us.
1: So I assume, as you said earlier, that's probably been your biggest source of referral business is through those mortgage lenders and real estate agents. And I, I've always heard, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast that really the mortgage lender, uh, more so than those real estate agents, unless you've got a real estate agent in your back pocket, that is absolutely crushing it. Uh, those more, cause those mortgage lenders are doing, you know, the good ones are doing what? 20, 20 uh, loans a month or more 30. Yeah. Yeah. Where a real estate agent maybe sells maybe one or two houses a month, maybe. You right.
0: Know?
2: And they're good. Like we've, we've made a lot of good connections with the loan officers through real estate agents and vice versa. So right. there, there's nothing better when like I know the realtor because the realtor sends it to the loan officer and then the loan officer sends it to us. And then you have it's kind of that triangle, man, of everybody knows each other. And when you talk to the client, they're more comfortable. We acknowledge that we're like, dude, it's a small world. Like this is how we live. We're all high producing, you know, agents or loan officers and we kind of congregate together and work together because we want to blow the, you know, just crush production no matter what we're doing. So it, it really works when, when all three of us are have a solid relationship and, all that stuff takes time too man that's that's the difference i think between like the sh- the internet lead mentality is that it's a quick hit but then what's very difficult i've i've found talking to agents is that you're like hey go out and build relationships with your community and then it turns into like well i'm trying to to do these leads and do this and manage the team it can be very daunting sometimes But the consistency over the years, man, is is, I've seen us go from, you know, working with like, say, 25 loan officers and getting some here and there to really dialing it in where it's like five to seven that send us the vast majority of their
1: stuff. I want to close this podcast out today by asking you a question. I'm a very visual person. Paint the picture for the agents that are out there listening right now, the 250,000 agents. Paint the picture of your office setup relative to staff and how you're set up in your agency. I find towards principal agents, and I've got a couple on my list that I'm going to interview today, and I'm going to ask all them the same question. I, I like being able to close my eyes and visualize that if I was in North Carolina I could I can almost visualize walking into your agency and seeing the staff and who's doing what. Give us a breakdown of how what that looks like in your agency. The three
2: of us, so it's me, my business partner and then our new guy Jake that we just brought on. So, we're all producing, man. So, it's our job to basically build those relationships with our referral partners and then close business kind of an overview of Goosehead, how we're set up is, you know, then we have our service team that manages policies and changes all that stuff. We also have like a binder team set up too, so that if effective dates get changed or something, I shoot that over to them. And then we turn that around in about an hour, Scott. So, I'd say overall like we're everybody has a lane that they that they drive and they drive it really fast. We're more specialized in what we do. We have like a quality control team too that'll send out our docu signs so so basically, you know, start to finish, my job is binding the policy, getting the app ready. They send it out
1: and then it goes to the service team too. Is the bond team and the service team are they virtual or, I mean, meaning are they outside of your agency or are they in the office with you?
2: No, they're outside. So we have, um, they're in, uh, Dallas and then Henderson, Nevada. Okay.
1: Okay. And are they with Goosehead? Is that part of the, they are. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they
2: are. And, and our management system is, we use Salesforce. Everything's transparent. So it's kind of funny. It's like I tell everybody, I'm like my service team, our friends of mine on Facebook and all that stuff, but we can see everything they're working on and they can vice versa. It's very similar. Like I always kind of compare it to like a, a car dealership, Scott, you know, where the same person that's selling you the car isn't doing the financing and they're definitely not doing the oil change and the servicing on it. So, you know, everybody kind of has their role within the agency and everybody can focus on what their strengths are, right? We all agree that we'd rather be focusing
1: on that and doing what we like to do every single day, you know? Well, and I think, and this is just my opinion, so don't hold me to this, but especially with COVID-19, how it's forced agents like myself and probably a lot of other people listening to this right now, uh, where I just, for whatever reason, just had not ever – done zoom meetings and hangout meetings and things like that. Uh, I'm seeing this, this kind of, uh, movement in the insurance business where it seems like a lot of agencies are lowering overhead and utilizing, you know, VAs with companies like one of our sponsors, CoverDesk, who does a fantastic job with their VA program, I would encourage anybody that is thinking about a VA to at least talk to those guys. And there's some other great VA companies out there too. But I've noticed that with the utilization of Zoom and Hangout and all this other stuff and Slack and um it seems like agencies are moving more towards that. You know, we're gonna do the core stuff here, but we don't mind having two, three, four, five VAs. Somewhere else that can handle, you know, this team does the, you know, the the stuff that you were just talking about, the the service more the service side of getting everything handled and wrapping everything up. That seems to be somewhere we're moving to in the industry. I think so, and and I think the reason behind that is that most
2: folks are they're just not as inclined. Even before all the COVID, they're just not as inclined to come into the offices anymore and. With DocuSign and all this stuff that, you know, whether it's an app or they can log in online and they can sign everything online, it just comes down to more of a convenience for us all. You know, like I was talking to my Northwestern Mutual guy and like they've even adjusted some of their stuff from a life insurance standpoint through some of this to make it more convenient for folks. So I think at the end of the day, man, that... That's where it goes is if you look at like where the client or what the client wants to do to get them to come in and sign or to get them to come in and pay like yes, there are folks that still probably want to do that, but not the vast majority anymore.
1: Those numbers I had a conversation with with uh what is Ryan's last name? I can't remember his last name right now. I'm having a moment, but uh I, I had a conversation with him about how that number of people that you're talking about is shrinking every year. And it, it's funny to me because it's almost shrinking in the same way Amazon is going up in terms of people who shop for Christmas online. You know, every year yeah. that number just edges up and edges up and edges up and, uh, you know, death by a thousand cuts for the the, the local shopping mall that people used to go to because, you really start talking to people and they're like, I would much rather buy my presence online on Amazon than wade through the parking lot. and have to go in a shopping center. And and, and now with COVID, my God, can you imagine what that's going to be yeah. in the year 2020 where people are just like, I'm not going to Park Place Mall to go get something because I, hell I might get COVID-19. Exactly. Yeah, no, we've seen it. And, and then, you know, just the, the
2: amount of business we do and the feedback we get of like, Hey, this is so easy. Thank you. You know? And then we always ask, are you familiar with DocuSign? Oh yeah, no problem. Oh, this yeah. is sweet. You know, like the feedback is more positive. I've never heard anybody be like, well, uh, I'd rather just come in and sign. Like I've, I've never run into that. So it's, it is changing, man. Like we, we laugh. Cause we, we've, we've probably had three or four clients come in in the last, 14, 15 months, Scott. You know? And and so it's just it's different. And I think adapting to it too and being able to to shift with all this stuff. And it it goes back to what we all talk about too, is like the client and customer experience, like always trying to keep an eye on and, and an ear open to to the feedback that clients are giving, whether it's positive or negative, and
1: and just giving them a, a good experience in the insurance world. You know? Yeah, it's. We had a conversation yesterday about this, but it should never be about us and what we want. It's always got to be about what they want, how they want to buy, how they want to be communicated with. You know, my friend, Mike Stromso. always, I love this so much, but he says, if you want to reach 100% of the marketplace, you know, from a branding and marketing perspective, you got to be in a hundred percent of the places the people are at. I'm kind of switching gears there relative to marketing the prospects, but he's right. I mean, the most common place that people are at now are on the internet, on social media platforms, but there are a lot of other places that you need to, you know, probably be hitting to get to a hundred percent of the market. So You know, I find all of this very interesting. I I know we need to shut this thing down. And I I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today, Ron. Thanks for having me. This is cool. We've just about gotten to the point where we just like to have principal agents on here and just sit down and rap for a little while about things like what we've discussed today. We've got a couple other principal agents that we're going to be talking with today as well on these different podcasts that we're going to be doing. But uh, I'll go ahead and shut this thing down. Guys, Hope you got something out of today's podcast. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about a lot of different things. If Ryan and Bradley and I gave you one thing that you can, and I know we did because Bradley said about four or five things and Ryan said four or five things that I wrote down that I need to either change or implement in my agency here. But if we did do that, if you would do me a huge favor, like, subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about us. That's the only way we're going to, ultimately keep doing this thing is you know we want to keep our numbers growing have more agents listening to the show but if you guys would do that for me i would really really appreciate that a lot and remember what i always say rewards come from action not discussion get your ass out from behind that desk today and do what ryan mahoney does go out and build relationships with referral partners meet people go to events sling business cards talk to people and go build those relationships, and the deeper those relationships can go, even if they're just a prospect and you can put something in your CRM system that when you call them a year or six months from now, they can remember you, the better off you're going to be. Go, go make money for your family, for your wife and husband, your kids, college fund. Go make money for your mom and dad who are struggling out there and go write good business for the agencies that you represent and go write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. I love you too, Scott. I love you so much. I know I've never said this on a podcast before, (laughs) but I just want to tell you how much I love you and how much you mean to me. Bradley, that means the world to me, and I really, really appreciate you finally doing that. Ryan, this is a special, monumental occasion that Bradley actually told me he loved me on your podcast. So that's, that's kind of, right, man. This, that's kind of a big deal. It doesn't get
2: any better, Scott. That's right. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, fellas. This is cool.
1: Thank you so much. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys Podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys Podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com.